sweet cup is just going to balance in here very delicately. I don't know how I'm going to drink out of that, but thank you. Maybe I should put it somewhere else. Okay. It's going to be a good morning. I'm not jet lagged, but my brain has just not kicked in again after being off for a whole week. So hold on tight and be very gracious to me this morning. uh, I may digress a few times. So I'm going to talk and continue on our series about the essentials of Vineyard. And this morning, um, I'm going to talk to us for the next little while about worship. But what I really want us to do is actually to worship again. So um, I'm going to try and I might speed talk a little. Oh, look, you see? Ask and it shall be given. Thank you, Derek. Put that one there. Um, and I, I absolutely love the many expressions of worship that we have in the church. And when I say the church, I mean the global church, the whole church, the big church. And at the minute, um, how many of you listen to worship music regularly in your car, CDs? Anybody still use CDs? Yeah, great. Anybody use uh, tapes? No one's admitting to tapes. You see, if I said LPs, all the cool hipster people would be like, yes, I listen to LPs. And let me know I have a few people in here who have an LP collection. But, um, but the tape bit, we're a wee bit embarrassed about the tapes, aren't we? You know, I don't listen to tapes. But uh, there's a real... There's a real like boom in the Western church of availability and accessibility to worship music, which I think in many ways is is an absolutely great thing. And I'm pretty sure if you wanted to attend a worship conference or even any, any week of the year, you'd be able to find one on. There's worship conferences, there's concerts, there's the whole thing that's happening all throughout the Western church um, at the minute. And And I love what the bigger churches bring to the church. I love that they bring accessibility, they bring training, they bring equipping and all those things. And as a worship leader myself, I'm really thankful for the way I've been equipped through conferences, through listening to seminars, through podcasts and all those things. And also by the the amazing craft of songwriters. I mean, we sing some beautiful songs, don't we? Some beautiful songs of Jesus. And I have never written a song in my life. And I never imagined that I will. So I am just in awe of anybody who can craft not just the words, but the music in that way that connects me to Jesus. It's a beautiful gift. And it's a beautiful, beautiful craft. But if we think that that is the only way that we can worship, then we're missing the point. Yes, the, the big and the, the shiny and the polished is wonderful and it leads us and equips us and all that kind of stuff, but it's not the only way to worship. So last weekend, we were in Portugal and um, we'd visited this same town now three times in the Algarve because I'm now officially married to an old man who won't go anywhere else. <clears throat> Likes to know which restaurant he's going to go to, where he's going to get his breakfast in the morning, all those things. I didn't quite imagine 22 years ago. But anyway, I love him and I'm committed to him, so I just have to go with him, so it's fine. But each time that we've visited this wee town in the Algarve, I wanted to go to the church on Sunday. And this is the first time we went without the boys, and the boys just point blank refused. They were like, Mom, please, can we just have a break from church? Which I get. In fairness to my boys, I get it. They've grown up being trailed around. There are lots of church things a lot of the times, and... There's a sacrifice in that that I appreciate. So then instead, I would make them do family devotionals on the balcony, which they hated even worse. But anyway, yeah, we're that family, only on holidays. So, 
this time I thought, no boys, we're going to church. And um, it was, we went, there's this beautiful, idyllic wee church sitting right at the edge, just in front of the market, right in front of the sea. And we thought we'll go. And we'd like, realizing, number one, we don't know Portuguese. And number two, it's not our normal church sort of liturgy. So we thought we are going to be doubly lost. We are not going to be able to navigate our way around this at all. So we sneaked in, sat near the back. They didn't start on time which as a vineyard person, I found very reassuring. I was like, see, we're not the only church that doesn't start in time. Because my father tells me we are. He keeps telling me that all the time. Vineyard never starts in time. I'm like, okay, dad, give it a break. Anyway, they didn't start in time either. There was no greeters on the door. Although I love our wonderful welcome team. They do a fantastic job every week. Shout out for the welcome team. (coughs) And they didn't have coffee and donuts which I was particularly dis- disappointed because the coffee and donuts in Portugal is expe- exceptionally good. So I was hoping for a wee coffee and donut. But anyway, so we went in, sat down, got our bearings around us a wee bit. And then just as I was sort of sitting thinking, I wonder when this is going to start or what's going to happen. Two wee women at the front just stood up where they were, facing the front, and they started to sing. And they started to sing, glory, glory, hallelujah. Right? And... Jason and I both looked at each other, just us, and everybody started to join in with them. No organ, no, no keyboard, no guitar, just voices in this wee church. And we both looked at each other, and we were just like tears in our eyes because the presence of Jesus just fell on the face. In this beautiful, simple moment, there was a wee woman harmonizing behind me really badly didn't matter. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. It was just beautiful and brought tears to your eyes. And it reminded me again that, you know, we have to step out our norm, outside our norm sometimes. And for a lot of you, coming to Vineyard is completely outside your norm. And I get that. And especially if you're new to us, or even if you've been here even for six months or a year or more, even you're probably still feeling like this is this is not the norm. This is not the norm. This is not what normal church likes, is like for us. But for any of us that have been around Vineyard for more than five years, I want to challenge you that sometimes you need to step outside our norm. We need to step outside what looks like normal to us and see and experience Jesus and his church everywhere. Because it's his church. We didn't understand the language. We didn't understand the liturgy. But there was these moments punctuated all through the service of singing. We just start to sing. And sometimes we didn't know the word, but words, but we would catch on to the tune. And we kind of just sang along anyway because we knew they were singing, singing to God. So we thought, we're just going to join in and sing along. It's the most beautiful, beautiful, humbling experience. And there's nothing beats worshiping together as a church. I love to personally worship at home. I love to stick on a CD or my Spotify or whatever. Usually it's now on my phone. And I love to worship. I love to worship when I'm in the car. I love to worship when I'm out walking, whatever. And I just, I love doing that on my own. But it never, ever, ever trumps when we come together. It never trumps when I can look along the row and see someone else fully engaged and abandoned in worship. It never trumps when I can look across and see somebody weeping just because they're being touched by Jesus in the most beautiful way. Nothing beats that. Not even the most beautiful scenery in the world. 
And a moment of me and Jesus on my own can beat that moment whenever we are in this together. In the Reformation did many great things, many great things, but one of the more negative legacies, I think, is that our faith and worship has become more personal than collective. I know Jason had talked about this before, but it's such a powerfully good thing that all of us have access to Scripture now, and there's other things in the Reformation that have been so good, but I think that personal access doesn't have to mean independence. We are created as a living body, knit together, a very powerful picture. You can imagine sinew, bone, organs, veins, blood, marrow, all connecting, all enabling each other. We as the church of Jesus Christ, we were created to be interdependent on one another. And you know, the truth is, in our Western Christianity today, the very idea of that is beginning to feel foreign to us. Because it's we, we're, being, we're being pushed along by a culture on the outside of us in the West that's all about self. And it's all about your individual rights even more than this idea of a collective good. See, that personal devotion time is so important. It's so important that we all spend time in our own with Jesus. Absolutely. But it is not an either or. It's a both and. It is both and. I need to come here on a Sunday morning and worship with you guys, not just because it's my job, which it is, but because I need to go to church. I needed to go to church last Sunday in Portugal, not just because it was in a beautiful setting and a beautiful church, but I needed to sit and be with the people of God. Even if we couldn't understand language apart from shaking hands and hugging. Worshiping together brings us into a moment of a collective connection with God. We were created worshipers. It's, like it's in our DNA. It's in our humanity. No one has to encourage sports supporters to sing songs. I mean, we talk, about, we talk about sport a lot. And I mean, you probably anybody who's a non-sports person probably thinks, oh, no, here they go again. <coughs> but stick with me. Regardless of your sport, Regardless of what it is that you loved, can, can you remember the last time that you were in a moment where people just began to sing the songs of their team? And you get carried away on it, don't you? I remember my dad would take me to football when I was younger. And I remember one of the first times I went to that amazing place called Old Trafford. Come on, there's better be more Man United supporters in here. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry, down the back. Thank you so much. But I remember like walking in and just, and even going to Windsor Park and seeing Northern Ireland and walking, walking in and going into this big stadium and then people would start to sing and it was just like this wall of not just sound but emotion nearly knocked me off my feet. I have the microphone today, which means you have to be quiet. But I remember that feeling, that emotion. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been standing? Like, and you don't even, well, I'm not, this doesn't count for Man United, but have you ever been at a sporting event and you're not particularly even emotionally engaged with the team, but people, the whole place starts singing. Like, for example, when I hear Liverpool supporters saying, you never walk alone. Couldn't care less, but Liverpool. But I'll be honest, it usually brings a tear to my eye. I'm like, it's the, the, this collective singing of emotion, of expressing their, how they feel together that's just so so powerful. It's the same when they sing 
what do they sing at rugby? Terrible, I don't know. Ireland. Yeah, whatever it is they sing. Something. They sing songs. Anyway, I'll tell you a funny story before I move on, but when my dad used to take me to football matches, um, I would say to him, Dad, what are they singing? They go, don't you worry about that, darling. You don't need to know what they're singing. <laughs> and that was definitely at a football match, I will say, for that for sure. He's like, you don't need to know those words. Close your ears. <laughs> and I personally, I really like loud music, right? I'm quite, I quite like, I used to be a bit of a rocker in my day. Hard to believe now, but it's true. Um, so I quite like it whenever the worship music even is loud. But for me, there, there is a marker for me personally is when it becomes too loud for me is when I can't hear the voices of those around me. Because I don't want to be in a concert. I want to worship together. And there's a big difference, isn't there? Because we need to hear those moments that, that, that connect me most to Jesus is when I hear all of you sing. Like, what's that about? See, there's a mystery in this collective worship that we miss if we only ever worship on our own. You know, there's those moments where, and sometimes now when I'm leading, where I stop singing so I can hear you, so we can hear each other. And there's that moment of, it smells like heaven to me. I'm going, oh, this is where we're going. It's like God's like breaking in and saying, ha, this is where you're going. This is what eternity sounds like, Michelle. Worshiping together, me forever. That's where we're heading. There's a mystery, and it's one voice, one mind, unity. Um, and all through the church, in particular in the early church, that worship was a distinctive mark of being a follower of Christ. And around about 110 AD, there was this guy called Pliny the Younger, and he was a Roman politician, and he was around about 50 years after the Apostle Paul and Peter lost their lives. And Pliny, he was a governor in a Roman province, he was really frustrated with what to do with all these awful Christians, right? So he thought he would contact the Roman emperor and get a wee bit of advice from him. And he said, in the case of those who were denounced to me as Christians, I have observed the following procedure. I interrogated these as to whether they were Christians. Those who confessed, I interrogated a second and a third time, threatening them with punishment. Those who persisted, I executed. He says, they asserted, however, that the sum and substance of their fault or error had been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn and sing responsively a hymn to Christ as to a God. What they were accused of, what they were accused of and what brought them and identified them as Christians is because they met together and they sang songs together to Christ as if he was a God. That was the accusation. That was the evidence. It wasn't what they believed. It was what they did. And from the very beginning of this church, this wonderful, the beautiful bride that is the church of Jesus Christ, people were recognized and marked by their worship. If we were arrested today, would there be any evidence? In November, when Jason and I visited um, India, we met a couple of pastors and their families who recently, in the last few months, had been arrested, beaten up, and um, in the case of one family, completely driven out of the town and the area 
that they lived in. Um, and these both men and their families are pastoring again. They can't even comprehend that you would stop. They cannot even comprehend that, that it's, there's even an option that they wouldn't meet together and gather people together in homes and in hidden buildings to worship God. It doesn't even enter their thinking. At, at risk of imprisonment, of being beaten up, and in some cases in, in India, death, being murdered, they cannot even comprehend that there would be an option that they wouldn't do that. This idea of worshiping together is so precious. Worship is a distinctive mark of a follower of Jesus. And that feels like I'm stating the obvious because worship is such an essential to us here at the vineyard. We are marked as worshipers of God. And I wanted you to turn with me this morning to John 4, verses 21 to 24. And look at these words of Jesus as he met the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. It'll be, if you have your Bibles with you, tablets, phones, whatever, you can turn to that now or it'll be on the screen in just a moment. And John 4, verse 21 says this. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jesus is saying, he's met this woman and he said to her, I know who you are and what you've been up to. And what do we normally do in that situation? You know, have you ever been in a kind of situation where you kind of know where the conversation's going and you just like quickly give it a detour? Do you ever do that? think, I'm going to quickly get in here with a question and I'm going to take us off on a different route because I really don't want to go there. And that's exactly what this lady does. So she says, sir, so I can see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in, on this mountain, but you Jews claim that you must worship in Jerusalem. So she thought, let's, what easier way to divert the conversation? Let's talk about religion. That's exactly what she did. And there was always this great debate going on between the Jews and Samaritans, whether you, you worshipped on the mountain or you worshipped in Jerusalem. And Jesus, he answers her. Jesus does this thing that I absolutely love. He just cuts right through to the truth, right through to the real issue. And he says, yet a time is coming and has now come, meaning I am here, I have come, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. What Jesus is saying, God is seeking worshipers. The heart of God is yearning for one thing, for his people to be worshipers. That we would be a community that responds to the heart of God, that we would just be a community that is drawn to this place of intimacy with him. So what is worship? For some of you maybe here this morning, you're going, she keeps talking about the W word, but I don't really know what that means. What does that look like? What is that actually, what is it? Well, the dictionary describes worship as a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. To attribute worth to a subject, it's given honor, respect, and devotion to God. Now, many of us, we worship our money, our car, I never got that one. If you've seen the state of our car, you would know that that's really not us. 
superstars, even their family. You know, we, we all have, have things in our life that we give our adoration to. Um, someone once said, if you want to know what people worship, look at their bank account. It's true. But God is looking for people to give the highest value to him. So how do we respond to him? And this verse 24 is the key. It says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, theologians argue over a wee bit of this. They debate about what the spirit is here, whether, ta- whether Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit or whether he was talking about the spirit within us or, or whatever. And I'm not totally sure where I land on that. But, but as I read scriptures and as I worship, I certainly know that I sense and experience the Holy Spirit in the room. That when we worship, something shifts and changes. It's not about that. We don't worship that. We don't worship the, the, the feeling. We don't worship the experience. We worship God. But in his mercy and his kindness and his love for us, he comes and he breaks in right to where we are. And many of you sitting in these chairs have felt it, haven't you? Where you've just, that, there's just been that moment of, oh, there he is. And you come to recognize when Jesus walks in the room. And everything shifts and changes because one moment with him changes everything. Everything. But the important thing is, what and who are we worshiping? Because the picture of God that we have is so important. And honestly, you'd have thought that Andy and I had planned those songs this morning because they worked so perfectly with my talk. We didn't. It was obviously the Lord um, because I was still texting Andy yesterday asking him to, do, to shift things around a wee bit for me. But if you come to God and you imagine in your mind, the God that you have, that you think he is, if you think he's distant, if you think that he's angry, if you've grown up believing or being told that you are a filthy sinner and God doesn't want anything to do with you, that really affects how you worship him. That's not necessarily your fault, but doesn't, can you see how that would be? Like, because you're coming to a God that if, if you don't recognize and know who he is, it's very difficult to come and worship him in spirit and truth. Psalm 100 verse 5 helps us with this, and it says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We need to know who we're worshiping. And God is good. We sang it this morning. He is good good. He is so good. God is love, and it's a loyal love that never lets us down. He is faithful. Worship is known and acknowledging what God has done for us. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, he created us and made us his own. He made us his own. See, we come in holy awe and reverence because he is God and we're not. We come with that posture of, of he is God and I am small. And sometimes it's like I feel like this tiny wee dot on a map and God is this massive God of the whole entire universe. But it's a wee bit like Google Maps. Do you remember when Google Maps first came out? We loved to zoom in and the zooming out. Did anybody used to do that on their computer? Like, woo, look, here we are, the stars. And then, woo, here we are in Tobermore, very small. 
And sometimes in my mind, when I come to worship, it's like I'm doing that Google Earth, zooming in and out thing. And I'm like, I'm really, really, really small. And God's really, 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 really big. And there's this paradox of, yes, he is great, majestic, awesome, amazing God. And I am this worthless, broken sinner of a person here. But this is the amazing thing. He rushes to us. He rushes to us. When we come with that, that intention and that, and that um, posture of our hearts of, God, you're God and I am not, and he rushes in. He rushes in like a father. Do you know in the story of the prodigal son, I love that picture of the father who, who lifts up his robes and runs. That's what he does when we come to him and worship. He lifts up his robes and he runs to us and he embraces us time and time again. We come into this holy place. It's like we come to him and he says, come on in. Don't stay there. You're too far off. Come on. Come on. This is your home. This is, this is where you belong. Come, 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 come right up beside me. Come sit in my knee. Come and sit and tell me about your life. If you're going to sing songs to me, I want to hear you sing them here. Not from afar off. Not from a distance. Not peeking through a window. Come. Come. The invitation of worship is always Come. And how do we do it? Well, as I read scripture, there's no way around it, but we have to sing. And some of us are more comfortable with singing than others. Who, who loves singing? Hands up. That might be easier than saying who doesn't like it. There's quite a few of us, but there's also quite a few of you that aren't as comfortable with singing. But it's something that we do together and we can do together. Um, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. All through scripture, not just the New Testament, it is songs and dancing and celebration and praise to God. It's opening your mouth and giving thanks and praise. And yes, you can say, I'm doing quietly on the inside, and you can do it quietly on the inside, but there is something that is broken when you speak it out. There is something that is broken even in yourself when you speak out those words of praise and adoration to God. So worship is essential part of who we are as a Vineyard Church. And not just as Vineyard Church, but to the whole church of Jesus Christ. It is essential that there's these moments of where He comes. He breaks in. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard, said worship is the visitation part of our service. It is the part where he comes. And actually, it is the most important part of what we do as a church. The most important. Let me say that. I love our ministry to the poor. I love our youth work. I love our street work. I love everything we do as a church. But the most important thing we do as a church is when we gather together and we worship him and we gather around his presence. There is nothing more important than that. There is nothing more important than that. Jason and I spend time studying and putting these talks together because we want to encourage you and build you in your faith. This is, this is like, that's not anywhere near as important as his presence. Because you can read the Bible and study and hear from God for yourselves. But this, when we come and we gather around him and we see him and he touches us, there, that is the most important thing. There's this moments, there's this beautiful, mystical thing about worship. We draw near to God and we feel and we know the closeness of the divine. 
we feel and know the closeness of the divine. God of heaven comes down. The veil is torn. Jesus' death on the cross tore the veil. There is no gap anymore. There's no barrier. We get to come right in. 1 John 3.19 Then this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. I love that. And this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. So many times in the chaos of life and in the chaos of everything going on around us, we just need to set our hearts at rest in his presence. When his presence comes, people's lives are changed. If I were to ask you to put your hand up all around the room, and I'm not going to do that, but you can answer in your own, and put up your imaginary hand in your head, of how many of you have been changed by Jesus in moments of worship. You know, whenever people first come here, one of the things they say is, that music makes me cry. I, go, I don't know why that music makes me cry. Michelle, why does that music make me cry? And I'm like, it's not the music, it's making you cry. It's Jesus. It's his presence. It's him. That's who you're feeling. Yeah, the music's lovely and the bands are great and they're super talented and they do great work for us and they serve us so well, but they're not that good. Sorry, I'm one of them. I'm sorry, band. You're all wonderful worship people. But it's not us. It's him. It's him. And the songs are beautiful and they're really well crafted. And, but it's not the songs. It's him. It's him. I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think for a moment of, of when you last experienced Jesus touching you like that. see, it shouldn't become something that's just like, this shouldn't become our religious practice at the vineyard. That's why it's good to step outside our bubble. This just shouldn't become what we do. Come in, 20 minutes worship, be a bit of announcements, talk, go home. This is our connection. And more than that, this is us coming and meeting with the God of all creation. This is us coming and meeting with our Savior who rescued us. And this is the moment where he reaches down and he just doesn't just reach down, but he actually comes down. I mean, I fully believe that. And in the moment when we worship, he comes. Jesus himself comes to this room. And you might think I'm mad, but I know that to be true. He comes and he's here. And what does that mean? That means our lives potentially can be changed forever. Addiction's broken. Sick bodies healed. Broken minds restored. Broken hearts Mended. That's what he does. So why would you want to be anywhere else? See, jammy days don't cut it for me. They don't. So I'm thinking, why would I not want to be here? Why would I not want to be here? Come in your pajamas. Honestly, I promise, if you want to have a jammy day, come here for an hour in your pajamas and go back home. No one will mention anything. If anybody says anything to you, bring them to me. I'm saying it publicly. You can come here in your pajamas, okay? This is a pajama happy zone, okay? <laughs> What'd you say? 
great. It's recorded. It's on. On. It's going to be on the line later, so we can't go back on it. But honestly, missing this doesn't do it for me because I'm like, I want to be in His presence. And I, I've been leading worship for 14 years. It was never my plan, to be honest, when we planted this church. But we didn't have a worship leader. And someone had to learn how to do it. And you might all be glad it was me and not Jason. Just saying. <laughs> Although he keeps threatening to do it. And someday I might let him just unleash himself. But I'm afraid he might be a bit more Paul Weller than we would all be able to cope with. So, but, and I feel like this morning... What I want to do for, for those of you who are part of the church, and listen, and this is not an exclusive thing for if you're here visiting, please listen to this as well. But I feel like I want to reset some of my approach sometimes when I've been leading worship. And you've, you've maybe heard me say things like, so why don't you just take a moment and clear our minds of all the things that have gone on in the week, and let's just focus in on Jesus. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, because we should. But what instead of feeling that we have to come to him unburdened? What if we came fully loaded? What if we came fully broken? What if we just came as we are, fully pulled in 20 different directions and we worship him from that place? Since when did we feel that we had to have it all together to come and sit at our Father's feet? We come with our doubts. And yeah, I did say doubt. We come with our doubts. We come with our broken hearts, our disappointments, our fears, our weaknesses, our sin, and we just come as we are. Because clearing our minds of all that stuff is not dealing with it. It's just putting it off for another day. The invitation is come. Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Instead of striving to bring God our best selves, if I hear one more person talking about my best self on the internet, I'm going to unfriend them or something. I'm not actually going to do anything more than that. But it's like, instead of this pressure to bring our best selves to God, that, have we forgotten the cross? Have we forgotten that in the moment when we came to Jesus, we had to come as our worst self? Because there was no other way to come to him. So now, all of a sudden, that we've been Christians for a while longer, or we're feeling like we're having a wee bit more together, that we feel that we only can bring our best selves to him. What, what's wrong with us? Including myself. We come fully as we are, fully loaded, fully loaded as we are, angry, frustrated, overwhelmed, distracted, and we just come as we are and we worship him. And if that's for one moment of authentic, unfiltered, pure worship, that is better than 20 minutes of polished pretense. We come as we are. As I was thinking of this, I couldn't help but think about the lady at the temple, the widow. And Jesus and his disciples, the story's in Luke 21 if you want to look it up when you go home. And Jesus and his disciples there at the temple and they're watching everybody bring their offering to the treasury. And it talks all through scripture, worship is an offering. It is a sacrifice of praise. We bring an offering of our worship to him. So this is symbolic as well. So 
they're watching and this wee woman comes up and she's like she's embarrassed to bring her offering. It's two tiny coins. And Jesus watches her. And I love Jesus sees her. How many other people do you think were in that temple that day that did not see that lady? Didn't notice her. If she was a widow, she was obviously dressed in widow's clothes. It probably just, there's another widow. No, no regard for her. There was all the, the powerful and the prestigious people were all there giving their offerings to you. And, but Jesus sees this lady. He sees her put in her two coins. And then he also observes this ostentatious show of these wealthy people coming with their bags of money that they can more than afford to give over and over. But Jesus, full of truth and grace, sees the heart. And he knows that that wee woman has given it all. It looks small and insignificant, but she brought her all in her widow's clothes and her poverty. She brought all she had to God. And in worship, God wants her all. It might look like nothing to you. You might feel like nothing this morning. You might struggle to walk up that hill some mornings because you're feeling burdened with shame and guilt and regret and you think, I don't know if I can walk through those doors. Please don't ever turn and go back down the hill. God wants you as you are. He wants you as you are. He wants the worship from your heart as you are. Not as you want to be. Not as you long to be. Not as you hope to be in 10 years when you become a super Christian. Whatever they are, you find out, tell me. He wants you as you are. We can come to him. See, when we take our broken, ugly parts and we try to polish them up with our filthy rags, doesn't work. Come. The invitation is come and worship me. Come as you are. Come fully loaded. And that's exactly what we're going to do now. Andy and the band is going to come up. And what we want to do in these couple of songs is we want to create a space for you to come as you are. If you want to leave your seats and come up to this area around the cross and kneel, you can do that. If you want to find another space somewhere where you just want to have a wee bit more room, you can do that. Just as a, a time and a space for you to connect with God yourself, but for us then to collectively connect with Jesus, singing these songs together. But come as you are. Bring your mates, bring your wee, your wee widow's coins today. So that might be all you feel that you have in your hand. That's all he wants. He wants our authentic pure, truthful worship this morning.